Good morning. As you find your seats, if you could grab your bulletin, if you have it still, and your Bible, we'll be in John 6 today. But I'd like to begin by drawing your attention to the front of the bulletin, to Psalm 119, verse 68. And as we begin, I know you just got comfortable, you just uh, passed the piece, but I'm going to ask if you'll stand again, and let's read together that verse on the bulletin. One verse, we can do it. If you don't have it, look on with somebody. I want a nice amen at the end of this. You ready? It says this about God. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. And God's people said? Amen. amen. Please have a seat. Interesting passage. Uh, God's word tells us in Psalm 119.68 that our God is good and he does good. Uh, this day, uh, this last week, I was studying that passage. Uh, I was in my devotional time, and it was the day that Nadia Bloom was found. And so if there's not a good passage to celebrate that reality um, of Nadia Bloom's rescue, that our God is good, and our God does good. If you've been living under a rock or somehow missed the news, uh, Nadia, an 11-year-old girl with Asperger's syndrome, did I pronounce that right? I believe so, who wandered away in the Winter Springs area for four days. I mean, four days in the swamp. Uh, They say one of the most alligator-infested swamps. No thank you. Snakes, scared to death. I couldn't have survived four days. But this uh, amazing 11-year-old girl was rescued after four days in the wilderness. Apparently when they found her, uh, about waist deep in some water. I mean, just amazing. Uh, a gentleman by the name of James King, the hero of the day, who went out into the woods uh, with machete and, and was, what he says, directed by God and rescues this girl. As he came out, he told reporters that God will direct your path. He says, he directed me straight to her because I prayed. Is God not good and does not God do good? Uh, interestingly, Jeff and Tanya Bloom, uh, her parents said this, that they believe that God had a hand in James King's rescue of their daughter. Would you think so? I mean, that's probably the understatement of the world, uh, that God is good and does good, that James King was in the middle of some amazingly dense stuff led right to her. Uh, Winter Springs Police Chief Kevin Brunell says, if I never believed in miracles, I will now. Uh, Just seeing what God has done. God is good and does good. Do we not need a story like this? Do we not need to start off the sermon and say, we we need a story of rescue. We need a story of hope. We need a story of life. Because why? Because our God is good and he does good. Amen? What if Jessica Lunsford's parents were here? If you remember Jessica Lunsford, uh, she was a nine-year-old in Citrus County uh, that her neighbor, a convicted sex felon, uh, had kidnapped her, uh, violated her, and killed her. What do we say about God is good and does good if their folks, her folks, were here? What about what do we do with Jennifer Kesey? What do we do with her? I mean, here is uh, this beautiful girl, a 24-year-old girl, January 2006 by the Millennial Mall, disappears, never found again. 
What if they're worshiping with us today? Uh, what, what do we do with God is good and God does good? Where's Jennifer? Shortly after the rescue, do you know that the Orlando Sentinel listed that the Orlando Police Department alone has 16 open cases of people who have never been found? So if we have anyone here today connected to those 16 people, we're really, really glad you're here. But the question that's got to be on their mind, it's got to be on Lunsford's parents' mind, it's got to be on Kesey's family's mind. Okay, you tell me that God is good and does good. It doesn't make sense in my life. How about your life? I believe that if you're old enough to sit in this service here today, that your life has collided with the reality or with the statement of God saying, God is good and does good. What was that moment for you? What was that moment that something hit you unexpectedly? What was that moment that you found out something? What what in your life collided, smashed against this reality, and you said, really? Really, God? Really? Can I really believe this? I have the pleasure of knowing so many of your stories as you know mine. And we know that there's times in life where it seems not to be true. Where it seems like a contradiction. Our life seems like a living contradiction To the reality that God says, hey, listen, I'm good, and I do good. So what do we do? What do we do when life collides with that statement in the Bible? What do we do when, when really things are so hard and things are so bad? Things are so difficult. And I guarantee you, there's many of you here right now that says, "Uh uh-huh, I know what you're talking about. Matter of fact, I was uncomfortable the way you started talking about how good God is and does God. God, 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 blah, 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 blah. The God does good. Easy for me to say. I know there's many of you here today probably saying, hmm, is that my life? So what do we do? I think we got six responses we're going to look at very quickly. The first one is this, that we come up with the decision that Jesus isn't Lord. Maybe Jesus isn't Lord, that he's not the Holy One of God. We we look at his life, uh, we look at what he did, and we come to the conclusion, well, Jesus isn't Lord. Or, or maybe group with that is to say that Jesus isn't good, or Jesus didn't do good. Or maybe, like many of us, we think that, okay, maybe if Jesus is Lord and Jesus does good, that maybe that we're not good enough, that, that we're the problem. Maybe the reality is that God is good and does good, but I'm so bad that I can't do enough good or be good enough to have a good God respond to me. So... Maybe I'm the issue. That's where we tend to go as well. Or what we'll do is we'll clean up Jesus. We'll clean him up and say, well, this is really who Jesus is. Let's don't kid ourselves anymore. Or maybe we'll clean up Jesus' teaching and say, well, this is really what Jesus meant to say. I mean, I know what the Bible says and I know what words are there, but really what he really meant and what we really said was this. Or lastly, we could do what Peter does, and it's I hope that in prayer that every one of us does here today is say, we have nowhere else to go. 
We believe, we've come to believe and know, we come to believe and know that Jesus is the Holy One of God. And what we're going to do is come to Him in that belief and faith by God's grace to Jesus and say, if you are good and you do good and my life looks like this, will you please redefine good for me? May I see it from your perspective. May I love you and may I trust you in the midst of this pain. Well, this is what was happening, uh, this, this discussion of is Jesus really good uh, in John. As you turn with me to John chapter 6, we're going to look at John 6, verses 66 through 71 today. Let me give you a little history on John 6, an amazing chapter of Scripture. In John 6, uh, it's recorded for us that Jesus feeds the 5,000. Uh, Shortly after feeding the 5,000, there are some who want to make him by force king. Uh, Jesus goes on to teach about the fact that he is the bread of life. He is the one that was promised that for anyone who is hungry, anyone who's thirsty, to come by God's grace and faith to Jesus. And and he will quench our our deepest thirst and our longings. And and Jesus goes on to tell some teaching that was really kind of hard. But he said, in faith, my body, it's true bread. I'm going to feed your soul through it being broken. And my blood is true drink. And he told this to the multitude who, don't forget, just wanted to make him king. And now they hear his teaching. They say, "Mm, we're out of here. So we pick up the story of God's holy word. Story preserved for us by God's grace through the Holy Spirit. And we just have a bunch of disciples having left Jesus. And we pick it up in verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer walked with him. So Jesus turned to the twelve. Do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, how much this morning do we need your wisdom, your mind, and your words. And Father, you're going to have to supernaturally give it to us because you have called me a broken sinner. To deliver these words. So God, would you, like only you can, would you use my words to somehow become your words? God, would you open up our ears to hear your voice? God, I pray especially for those whose right now their life is colliding with the reality that, that God is good and does good. God, but for all of us, that's going to be a tough reality in our life. But we are going to try to untangle this truth with the brokenness and the bitterness of our lives. So God, give us ears to hear from Jesus, our Messiah, your Son, the Holy One of God. And and through this power of the Holy Spirit, would you illumine our minds so that we can understand. So we can understand what this really means and who you really are. Father, because you love us and we're your children, would you give us hearts of faith? Would you graciously give us hearts of flesh that believe and beat for you? And would you drive away the stoniness of our unbelief and 
God, would You break that which is cold and hard against You. And Father, for many I pray that maybe don't even have a heart yet of faith. Today, would You give it to them by Your grace and eternal design. And Father, may we walk as Peter was walking in this passage. May we say that we know, we know that Jesus, we, we believe, we've come to know that He holds the words of eternal life and that we have nowhere else to go. And so we must now walk in obedience, even when it's a mystery, even when we don't understand. God, could you, because you alone could give us that faith, would you give it to us, we pray in Christ's powerful name. Amen. Well, as we looked at this reality that God is good and does good, we have some responses to that. The first one is this. We come to the conclusion, well, that Jesus isn't Lord. I mean, it's a conclusion that they've been coming to back from Jesus' day, even today. It's interesting here, we're kind of plagued a little bit because John 6 is going to tell us that some of Jesus' disciples, I mean, some who said we're going to follow Him, we're going to embrace Him, we're going to trust in Him, to some degree are going to now say we're out of here. This Jesus cannot be Lord. I mean, if they were listening to C.S. Lewis, uh, C.S. Lewis says we have three options with Jesus. Whether he is either the Lord that he claims to be, or he's a lunatic who claims to be God's son, or he's a liar. And the multitude that left said, well, we are going to come to the conclusion he's not really Lord. He truly must be lunatic. I mean, he's loony talking about this teaching that he's the bread of life come out of heaven, that his body is true bread and his blood is true wine, that we are going to have to come to him in faith to find life. I say he's loony. This guy, he just don't get it. He, he, he can't be Lord. And that could be where we are today. I want to also briefly say that for all of us, by God's grace, who have been given this amazing grace to see Jesus as Lord, even in the midst of difficulty, I got to tell you this, if you're truly his, he'll never let you go. And even in the midst of doubt, I've been there. Even in the midst of concern, been there. Even in the midst of wrestling, we all are there. Jesus is not going to let us go. Isn't that good news? So if we're truly his sheep, if we've been truly redeemed by the blood of the lamb, if we've truly heard his voice, there'll be seasons in our life of wandering. That is true. But Jesus loses none of his sheep. That's, that's, that's how strong he is. That's how good he is. He says, those the father has given to me in John 10, I will lose none. Nothing is greater than, than in, in, in me. But we'll have five people in our lives. How is it with you? You've come face to face with Jesus. Are you going to deny that he is Lord? Are you going to say that he is a lunatic or a liar? But listen, we can't just have him as a good teacher, right? We can't just say, well, he's somebody who's morally good to follow. Or he has some amazing teachers. No, Jesus continually brings himself to us into our faces that make a decision of who I am. He never soft sells it. He never lets us have just part of him. And the reality is, if he isn't Lord, if we say he is not the Holy One of God, we should walk away. That's the conclusion that many made. Or we say that Jesus isn't good or do good. Now let me tell you, uh, I put those two together because if you aren't good, you can't do good, right? I mean, there's a logical connection to those. If, If 
God is good and doesn't do good, well, then God isn't good. And so you come to the conclusion that maybe Jesus isn't good. And oftentimes this happens in our life. We say, how does God allow this in my life? I mean, if God were really good, if God were really in control, how does he allow this? Is he really good? I remember that coming to me early on in my life. I remember as a teenager just struggling uh, as I saw those who loved Jesus struggle. As I saw those who, who really loved Jesus go through the depths, I, as a young teenage boy, watched their life and say, mm, if God treats those whom love him so much that way, I'm not sure if I'm in. Not sure if he's really good. How is it with you? There's plenty that's happened to us here at Orangewood. There's plenty that's happened to us here in the last year. There's plenty in our history that we will look at certain events and say, mm, oh, man, how do we take that and say God is good and God does good? There's too many empty seats. There's too many broken hearts. There's too many prodigal kids. There's too many fractured marriages. I mean, there's just too many tears. That's the reality. How, how do we do it? How do we say that God is good? Maybe we come to the conclusion he isn't good or do good. And we do what the others do. They walk away. Or what many do, and this is a real temptation in the church today, is we say that we're not good enough or we don't do enough good to have God bless us. I just read an email this week. Uh, just this week, I got an email from a member who's, who's going through the valley of the shadow of death with a parent. Um, very, very painful cancer deal, and um, it doesn't look good. The prognosis is not good. The treatments don't seem to be working. And, and she goes and she ministers to her mom and her stepdad. And the stepdad saying basically is, I don't get it. I don't get why my prayers aren't being answered. I don't understand it. And he said, I know I'm not the world's greatest Christian. He said, I know I'm not like the Apostle Paul, but is God going to use that to take my wife away from me? Is the reality this, that I am not good enough, therefore God is not going to do the good that I'm longing to? Now listen, if that is the case of God, if God is a God who only responds to our goodness, Scripture should read, God is good sometimes. And sometimes God does good. And it's that sometimes is when you are good enough. When your prayers are effective enough, when your faith is strong enough, when your love is strong enough, and I want to tell you, we live in a culture that tells you that you are the problem, that God is not responding. That's bull. That's bunk. God is not this this conditional God who's just only going to respond when we clean ourselves up. If that were the case, you're ready? God would never do good. I mean, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Our hearts are continually wandering. Our faith is never good enough. Our love for him is never strong. Listen, God says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's one commandment that Jesus says all the Bible is hinged on that one. How are we doing? I have yet to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I have yet to love my neighbor as myself. If it's up to me, to God to do good for me, I fail, and so do you. 
We have to have a God who's merciful and gracious and loves sinners and demonstrates that love to sinners. I just want that burden lifted off of you, my brothers and sisters. Yes, we have to obey Him. Yes, we walk in obedience to Him. Yes, as we live according to His Word, we receive His blessing and His favor. Yes, but His grace isn't contingent on us. It's not by works that we're saved. It's by God's grace through faith. Some of you are carrying a burden that that you're just not good enough for God to hear your prayers. Listen, it's not true. If you're His child and you've been washed in the blood of Christ and you've been robed in Christ's righteousness, you're His child and He listens to His children. He loves them. His ways sometimes are not our ways. and His thoughts sometimes aren't our thoughts. God is not a genie in a bottle that we can somehow manipulate and pray hard enough and and we can do good enough things, and all of a sudden, poof, he'll pop out, and he'll love us, and he'll hear us. In this email, it talked about maybe this is sometimes the most radical faith, this most radical faith produces some radical results of God. So what we really need to have is this most radical faith, because if we have this abandonment, if we have this faith that's so unbelievable, I believe he's going to be healed, I believe she's going to be healed, I believe they're going to be rescued, I believe it, I, I got this radical faith. So therefore, we sometimes think, God must respond. You know what the most radical faith is? Here it is. If they never come back. If I only see them on the other side. If the cancer is not cured. If the marriage is not saved. If the child doesn't come home. I love you, Jesus. That is radical faith. Not in radical faith saying that he needs to now respond to us. That's not radical faith. That's radical leverage. That's radical, God, you must respond to me. So we could say, well, he's not Lord, or he's not good, or that we're not good enough. Or we could clean up the Bible. The Bible, we could clean up Jesus as the Bible shows us Jesus. And say, this is really who Jesus is. A guy named Clark Pinnock. Um, seemingly Christian guy, uh, has reopened up a heresy called open theism, he and several others. Um, and this is how, uh, right now, the church around us, in many ways, is trying to clean up Jesus and kind of clean up God. And here's what they say. This is a heresy called open theism. And what they want to say about God is this. They say, God knows all things that have happened in the past that God is in control and over all things that happen currently, but he doesn't know the future. That God is processing with us. That, that therefore, he really is hearing our prayers and acting on our prayers because there's nothing determined by this God. That he's just processing with us. And what they've done is they want to take God, they want to get him off the hook. They want God and say, well, let's take God off the hook for all these tragedies and all these unanswered prayers that somehow God is processing with us. That's the God who is. It's a heresy. It's wrong. There's a God who's the Ancient of Days, who always is and always will be. Our God is Alpha and Omega. Our God knows all things, including the future. And if He didn't, 
do you really want to know him? If he didn't really have control over tomorrow, is there any hope? So to try to clean him up, to try to say that, well, he's the God who knows all that's been and all that is, but he doesn't know what will be. Can't do it. We got to come to the God who is, and we can't make Jesus like a Mr. Potato Head Jesus, a Jesus of our own choosing. I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I'll deny that. Or we clean up the teaching of Jesus in the Bible and say, this is what Jesus really said. You'll be careful of hearing things like the historic Jesus or things that would come out of that movie, The Last Temptation of the Christ or the Da Vinci Code or even the Jeffersonian Bible where he is going to say, this I can agree with, this I can't, this I'll take, this I'll throw away. I've come to realize that God is a God who's iconoclastic, which basically means that God destroys idols. God destroys idols. Those things that are set up to maybe appear to be God. And listen, you got to know this. Your image of who God is, child of the living God, he will continually reveal himself as the true God. And there'll be times that he'll be blowing up the God you think is. He never changes. He's the same, but he wants you to know him in spirit and truth. And so if there's fallacy in your belief of Jesus, he's going to blow it up. And thank God he is, because guess what? He wants you to know and love him, not a mask. Not something that's not real. He will never be a Mr. Potato Head Jesus. Jesus is not going to allow us to say this is who he is. We're going to make a God of our own choosing. No, God reveals himself to us. God reveals himself to us, and it's our privilege and responsibility to kneel and to say, you are the one who holds the words of eternal life you, we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And quit trying to clean up a Jesus of the Bible or his teaching. I love the fact that Jesus never softens his teaching. I mean, he had to be the worst evangelist in all time. He, I mean, he would have people who would, a rich young ruler who could have done amazing good things for the kingdom, it would seem like. He's rich, young, he's got authority, he's got it all going on. He runs to Jesus, he kneels down at his feet, and you ready for this? He asks Jesus, hey, can you tell me how I can earn eternal life? And Jesus points to his heart and doesn't let him go, and the man walks away, face fallen, because he won't change the radical message that I and I alone are Lord. And if your stuff's going to be Lord, I'm not going to be Lord. How's it with us? Or we can believe and come to know that Jesus is the Holy One of God and let Him now redefine what it is to be good or what it means to do good. Singer-songwriter Stephen Curtis Chapman has experienced an amazing tragedy, the loss of his daughter, Maria Sue. His teenage boy was coming home Driving the family SUV, pulled into the driveway. Maria Sue wanted to come greet her brother. He ran her over, killed her in sight of many family members. 
Can you imagine that tragedy? I mean, basically, on one day, you almost lose two. You lose Maria Sue, but what about that teenage boy? What about the family that's watching? You know, he he wrote an album that talks about beauty will rise. And it's an amazing album. Every song is basically a man who's absolutely had his heart shattered. And he tries to come to the conclusion of where else can I go. And he sings a song and the lyrics is this. This is not how it should be. And this is not how it could be. But he said, this is how it is. And then he says some of the most amazing words I've ever heard. And our God is in control. And I'll sing holy, holy, holy is our God. You see, for Chapman, for Peter, for me, I've got nowhere else to go. I believe and have come to know that he holds the words of eternal life. I believe and I've come to know that he is the Holy One of God. And I've had to allow him to redefine good. And I've had to have him redefine what it means to do good. And we have to realize that in Christ Jesus, listen, Orangewood, in Christ Jesus, all of God's promises are yes! Now and not yet. We're not home yet. He hasn't come back in in, in fullness and bringing the kingdom here. Now we know that death has been defeated. Now we know that our sins have been forgiven. Now we know that Emmanuel, God is with us. But we also are plagued around us. We live in a sin-torn world. Not yet. Not yet, my brothers and sisters, have all of our tears been wiped away. Not yet. Have all of our prayers been answered the way we want them? Not yet. We don't have him face to face. We see dimly. We know that they're all going to come true. Why? Because that empty tomb is God's declaration that my promises are yes in Christ Jesus. True comfort now. Complete comfort later. Now and not yet. You see, we cannot make sense of a God who says he's good and does good apart from Jesus. Listen, we cannot make sense of a God who says he's good and does good apart from Jesus. And we need to look to him because he and he alone is the answer of goodness. Are you suffering today? Are you suffering? Are you suffering? Man of suffering. He was he suffered too. He came here and suffered from the moment he was born in Bethlehem to the last time he was resurrected. He suffered. He knows our suffering. He was pierced because of our suffering. Because of our suffering, he suffered. Are you suffering? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He will heal you. Injustice. Are you here stewing because of injustice that's been done against you? 
against your family, against loved ones. You hear this injustice that's filling your heart with rage. Look to Jesus. Why? Because He is the only one who's just. And Scripture says He's the justifier. He experienced the ultimate injustice when the Holy One of God became sin. You have injustice in your life. Look to Jesus, the just and the justifier. How about if you're here struggling with death? The valley, the shadow of death may be close to you or close to a loved one. Maybe you've recently gone through that. Look to Jesus. Look to the cross. He conquered death. The empty tomb. Death has been vanquished and defeated. Life now reigns in Christ Jesus. Are you here this morning and you're suffering from brokenness? Look to Jesus. He's the only one who could make sense of it because He came and He was broken too. And through His brokenness, we can be healed. Are you here this morning and you feel abandoned? Abandoned by all those closest to you and don't feel that anyone knows your pain. Jesus was abandoned by the Father on the cross for the first time in eternity. He hung there alone and said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So the reality would be, we would never be abandoned. Do you have poverty? Is this economy driven you to some really tough times? Jesus, look to Him. He who was rich became poor. So through His poverty, those of us who were poor may become rich. Look to Jesus, the One who stepped out of heaven and owned all things. He says, I don't even have a place to lay my head. Look to Jesus and you'll find fellowship and you'll find hope. How about just sorrow? Jesus was the man of sorrows. Tempted in every way, yet without sin. How is it with you? How is it when your life collides with the reality that God is good and does good? Are you saying that Jesus isn't Lord? It's crazy. He's the Holy One of God. Are you saying that Jesus is not good? Look to the cross. You see the greatest good being sacrificed. So that we'll always know that He is good. Do you feel that you're not good enough? None of us are. But He comes and loves and demonstrates a love for sinners like us that while we were still sinners, Christ dies. He's good and does good and it's not contingent upon you or me. Rejoice! Don't clean up the Jesus of the Bible. He is the Jesus who is. He's unchangeable. Do you know and love Him? Don't clean up His teachings. We're not that smart i got to tell you, there's sometimes I scratch my head and walk away and say, I'm not quite sure. My hope and prayer for each one of you is this. That you could leave here and say about Jesus, where else do we go? I got nothing else. Where else do we go? I believe that He holds the words of eternal life. I believe and have come to know that He is the Holy One of God. And i got to tell you, when you have that knowledge by God's grace, and you have that love in the midst of a world that collides 
with God is good and does good. And you say like Peter, and you say like Stephen Curtis Chapman, and you're able to say, I'm in, and I love. There's a mystery here I can't untangle. There's a difficulty here that I can't undo. But I love. I believe and I've come to know. It's the greatest love you could ever experience. I think it honors him so much to say, Jesus, there's part of this that I just don't get. But I got you. I look to you, and if I have you, I have everything else. If I have you and the whole world, I have nothing more than having just you. And I have you and nothing less. I have nothing less. Do you have Christ? In your life, can you say, where else do we go? Let's pray. Father, there's such a mystery to life that we can't just solve. It's just too complicated. We, we rejoice in Nadia's homecoming, but we lament in Jessica Lunsford's story. What do we do? We rejoice of prognosis that cancer is gone, but we lament that it doesn't seem to go away. Jesus, by your grace and the love of the Father and the power of the Spirit, for those of us who can say that we believe and we have come to know that He, you, Jesus, is the Holy One of God, would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, cause us to look to Jesus and, and give us the words when the life says, do you want to leave too? And may we live our lives saying, we have nowhere else to go. But we're loved and we're held and we believe. Father, I pray for the man, woman, and young person here that's yet to embrace Christ as Savior, that doesn't know Jesus as Lord. May today be the day that maybe they can't untangle all the mysteries, but to be unbelievably set free by a love of God in Christ Jesus. That in the midst of our suffering and brokenness, Jesus is there. Give them the grace to believe and find the newness of life that comes in Christ Jesus. And Father, for the rest of us, give us the holy boldness to go proclaim that God is here. And God is good in the midst of the tears, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.